0: Well, I want to thank uh, Jim for preaching for us last Sunday. Um, I got so many comments about how great of a message it was. And so, Jim, thank you very much for sharing with us. We appreciate it. Um, Thank you. Uh, And Laura and I both do appreciate having the Sunday off last week uh, as we are continuing to to prepare for baby Hope, and uh, we are uh, in the final stretch here as we wait day by day uh, for those those uh, just those final days. It's like we're. It's a little crazy. so. Um, but we do appreciate the break last week. We did have a doctor's appointment on Monday uh, on the 12th, and baby is looking really good and healthy. And uh, so we are looking more and more like this is going to be a full-term pregnancy, uh, which we were ensured that it would not be uh, several months ago. And so uh, God is good, and God is, is doing great things. So... So thank you for your prayers, thank you for your support and encouragement, uh, and it will, uh, we will continue to, to journey through this together and appreciate that. Uh, well, we are in our final week of our Core Virtues series, and so uh, let's go ahead and start with the prayer and then, and then d- jump into to our time in the Word. God, we thank you so much for the blessings that you give us. We thank you for uh, the encouragement that you give us. God, we pray that you will continue to to work in us and uh, be with us and help us uh, speak to us today. Uh, Give us uh, ears to hear and a heart that is receptive to your message. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, during the Revolutionary War, uh, there was a group of Continental Army soldiers who were working very hard to remove a log from a pathway that they were trying to clear, and the... The log was clearly too heavy for this group to, t- to take care of. And the, the corporal stood by and would continue to bark orders at them and was getting redder and redder in the face, uh, trying to get this crew to move this log out of the road. And so about that time, a man rode up on horseback, and the stranger looked at the situation and and dismounted and walked over and began to help and was the help that was needed to get this log moved over to the side of the road to clear out the path. And the stranger turned to the corporal and asked this corporal, "'Why have you not been helping?' And the corporal responds, "'Sir,' Do you not see that I am the corporal? And at that moment, George Washington opens his coat and says, Sir, do you not see that I am the general? And so we see a general who exhibited great humility, who would help where help was needed, even if it was way below his pay grade. While I was a student at UNM, I was working as an intern at the Christian Student Center, and uh, there was one particular day where I was working in the office, and the trash had not been taken out. And this bothered me, and this irritated me that the trash had not been taken out. Thank you. The trash had not been taken out by the person who was responsible for taking the trash out. And since I was an office worker, I was clearly not responsible for taking out the trash. I was very bothered by this. And so the director of the Student Center, Brent McCall, told me, who had his PhD and who was the boss and who told me what to do, he said, I am not too big to take out my own trash. And this is something that has stuck with me over the years, that I am not too big to take out my own trash, that that my self-importance is not so great. My position that I have as intern, because that is a really big job, (sighs) My position as intern was not so big that I could not take out my own trash. And this is something that has stuck with me over the years. We've been on this 30-week journey as we're looking at the core virtues. We started back in January. Can you believe it? We've been at this for a year. Uh, We started back in January talking about the core beliefs and then transitioned into the core practices and then have been spending the last 10 weeks talking about the Core virtues. And it's not about getting smarter in the head. It's not about having a better intellectual understanding of our beliefs. It's, It's more about the transforming of our lives, all for the sake of others, for the sake of our mission to love God and to love others. And so, in this chunk, we've been talking about these core virtues that if we are thinking and acting like Jesus, then the fruit of our lives will begin to look like the fruit of Jesus' lives. As we become more like him, there is an outward change that other people can see and experience when they are around us. And so most of these key virtues that we've been going through have been found in Galatians 5.22. We call it the fruit of the Spirit. So these are the ones that we have reviewed over the last 10 weeks. The first is love. I'm committed to loving God and loving others. Lee shared with us the virtue of joy, that despite our circumstances, I feel inner contentment and understand my purpose in life. Brent came and shared with us the virtue of peace. I'm free free from anxiety because I have found peace with God, peace with others, and peace with myself. And then we talked about self-control. I have the power through Christ to control myself. It's not really self-control, it's more God control. And then we talked about hope. That I can cope with hardships of life because the hope I have in Jesus Christ. And then Troy shared with us patience. I'm slow to anger and endure patiently under the unavoidable pressures of life. And then we talked about kindness and goodness together. I choose to be kind and good in my relationships with others. And then we talked, well, we skipped faithfulness, but faithfulness is I have established a good name with God and others based on my loyalty to those relationships. Ironically, we were not loyal to that chapter. Um, And we skipped and talked about vision and mission of the church. And then Jim last week shared with us about gentleness. I'm thoughtful, considerate, and calm in my dealings with others. And so this is our final week of the series, and, and I'm glad that we're concluding with this one, and I'm glad I'm getting to share with this one, because this is one that I'm great at. This is one that I can share so much of with you. Uh, this thing called humility. Read sarcasm inserted in there. This is one that God is working on me so uh, so much for a long time. Obviously, when I was an intern, talking about humility. But for me, my theme this year, my personal theme with what God is doing with me and doing in my family and doing in my heart is this theme of surrender, which is so key to the ability to have humility. And so this is one that I'm glad I'm preaching to myself about. And so you can listen in on my sermon to myself. So Proverbs 23, 7, in the King James Version, tells us, For as he thinks in his heart, so is he. And so this is something that we talked about at the very beginning, week one of this series in January, that that as you think in your heart, that is how you are. So the kind of person that you become is directly tied to the, the thinking in our hearts. And the thinking in our heart becomes our beliefs, and so we are. Uh, we had a person up here last time. Let's see if I can draw a person without the cheat sheet that I did last time. So here is a person, right? All right, or a gingerbread man. So, as a person thinks in their head, actually it says thinks in not their head. Where does where do they think? In their heart. As they think in their heart, that's the way the person behaves, okay? So so we have this thinking that's intellectual, but we have to get from the head, because the head is just a mush up there, we have to get that thinking into our heart, because that's where belief is, is the intellectual understanding of something, but actually embedded into our hearts, that is how we believe. So we have all kinds of beliefs in our hearts, right? That there are there are things in our lives that, that cause us to think certain ways and that gets embedded into our hearts and that becomes our belief system. Now we've got some really funky belief systems. Because over time, things happen to us and things happen around us that we have certain ways of thinking about ourselves, certain ways of thinking about people around us, and certain ways of thinking about the world itself that has become corrupt over time. That we have an enemy that is very effective at twisting the thoughts in our heads that get into our hearts that become distorted beliefs. And so our beliefs about ourselves are flawed. Our beliefs about about others around us are distorted. And our beliefs about the world becomes crooked and messed up. And so if we're to become like Jesus, we have to change what is going on in the heart. We have to change those beliefs to be replaced with what Jesus believes. And so as beliefs in our hearts are transformed by the Spirit, little by little we break away and we chip away the corrupt beliefs and replace those with God beliefs. And the purpose of this transformation that we have little by little is not for our own sake but for the sake of others so that we can be a blessing to others. And so the virtues that we have been studying are the overflow of what is going on in the heart. And so if the heart is in a corrupt place, the overflow of the heart will be corrupt. If the heart is in a godly place, the overflow will be godly. And so today we talk about this virtue of humility. And the virtue of humility is I choose to esteem others above myself. I choose to esteem others above myself. So what we believe about ourselves in our hearts and what we believe about others around us leads to certain belief systems. If we have a low view of ourselves and a high view of others, or to put it a different way, if we have an inferior view of ourselves and a superior view of others, then this leads to a low self-esteem because I am inferior and others are better than me and I am not good enough. And so with this low self-esteem, there's a couple of different behaviors that start to come out in this environment. The, The first one is if I am inferior, then I have a sense of humiliation. Humiliation. I am not worthy. I'm not good enough. Things are, I, I am not capable of doing fill in the blank. And so there's a sense of humiliation because I have an inferior view of myself. Now, sometimes we, we just retreat back in humiliation and, and push other people out when we're in that mode. But there's a flip side to it. In some ways, and in some instances, we react in the exact opposite way. We become boastful people because we want to prove to the other people that we are, in fact, not inferior. But it is in our inferiority that we are being boastful. We're trying to prove ourselves to others. And so we become the one who brags about things and shows off because it's really from a place of inferiority. This idea of humiliation is not Jesus' design of humility. This is not his brand of humility. Humiliation and humility are two different things. They come from a different place. Humility does not come from a low sense of self-esteem. Now, there are the opposites of these, and in the opposite, we have a very high view of ourselves and a very low view of others. And in this high view of self and low view of others, we become superior and others become inferior. And our culture labels this as a high self-esteem because I think I'm good enough. And in this high self-esteem, we have some behaviors that start to overflow from this corrupt heart. We have pride that shows up, coming from this high sense of self. We have arrogance that comes up. And we have this idea of superiority, This is what comes out of a high view of self and a low view of others. Now this is still not Jesus' design for us. It's neither low self-esteem or high self-esteem that produce the virtue of humility. Humility is not going to come from either one of those. Low self-esteem can produce humiliation. High self-esteem produces pride. Neither Neither of these get us to a place of humility. So Jesus offers us something totally new, something totally different. It is neither high self-esteem nor is it low self-esteem. Let's look at Philippians chapter 3. In Philippians chapter 3, Paul says, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. And so now we have this different option, this different view of things. Selfish, selfish ambition, vain conceit, these are the opposite of humility. These are to be avoided. This is what you are not to do. Paul says to not do anything out of this place. These are characteristics of the arrogant person. And arrogance is not where we want to be. The humble person, this is the person who desires to make the focus about others. They're elevating others. A humble person is is not someone who wants to dominate a room like an arrogant person. They're a person who wants to lift others up and make it about the other person. The humble person is is not someone who simply blends into the walls or becomes a pushover or just disappears because they just want to avoid people. There's someone who's working to bring the best out of others instead of trying to point to the best in themselves. There's someone who's working constantly to make sure others are lifted up. They're not looking at their own interests. They're not looking at their own desires It acts in the interest of others. And so for the Christian, humility is not high self-esteem. It's not low self-esteem. Humility takes the all about me, because both of those are all about me. It takes it away from an all about me mindset. And instead, the humble life becomes all about God and others. The priority becomes loving God and loving others. Paul goes on to describe how Jesus models this type of humility, starting in verse 6. Who, being in the very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Let's just pause there for a minute. Who is Jesus? What is his nature? Where did he come from? Jesus, in his very nature, is God. And Jesus knows that. So if anybody can have a high self-esteem and a superior view of self, Jesus can be that person, right? There, There is no one higher than him. No one better than him. And he knows that. He's aware of that. He's aware of his position as the Son of God. This is who Jesus is. But he doesn't use that to, to be superior to others. He uses that identity as the Son of God and uses that instead to minister to others, to care for the others. And so when we become followers of Jesus, we are declared sons and daughters of the King. We have a new identity. We have a new relationship with God. And in that relationship, we have a new inheritance. And it's in that inheritance that we are able to be a part of the kingdom of God and to be a part of what God is doing. And so if we are really to understand who we are in God and this identity that we have in Him, then it's going to completely transform the way we behave outside of our hearts. Because of that new identity that we have in our hearts, the overflow of behavior in our lives will be completely transformed if we really understand our relationship with God the way Jesus was able to understand his relationship with God, then our self-value and our identity is totally changed. Our self-value is is not determined by our position. It's not determined by the people around us. It's not determined by our abilities. Our self-value is determined by our inheritance, and that's something that each of us have as a follower of Jesus. And so in Christ, we no longer have to prove ourselves to others. We don't have to prove ourselves, ourselves to ourselves. Sometimes we, we feel like we have to just prove it to ourselves. We don't have to do that anymore. And so I don't know about you, but I, I need to be reminded of this daily. Like every single day, I struggle with Who am I? That am I trying to prove myself to someone else? Am I trying to prove myself to myself? Or can I really rest in the truth of who I am in God? I am somebody because Christ is somebody. And that's where my identity comes from. And so the person who understands this is able to see their place And is not threatened by anyone else's position. It does not matter what characteristics you possess, or what position you have, or what opinion you have, my identity remains strong because at the middle of this is not high self esteem, not low self esteem, but what's really at the middle of it is more of a God esteem. That it doesn't come from myself. It doesn't come from a high or low view of myself. It comes from God. And that's where the identity comes from. And so because of this God esteem, our identity and our security is freed up and we're able to build others up. We no longer have to worry about tearing others down to make ourselves appear better. We're freed up to build up others. So let's go back to Philippians Continuing on in verse 7, rather he made himself nothing by taking on the very nature of a servant. So he had the nature of God, and now he's taking on the nature of a servant. Being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death even death on a cross. So what does Jesus do with his God esteem? If he knows who he is, by very nature, he is God. And so what does he do with that? He lays down his rights. He lays down who he is. He doesn't act as king who is superior to others. He acts as a servant. He doesn't use his position for personal gain. He uses his position for the advancement of others. He doesn't put himself above the rules so he can do whatever he wants to do. He is obedient to the rules and obedient to what God is asking him to do, even death on a cross. And so Jesus lays down all of his rights. It's not about what he deserves. It's not about what he has the right to do. He lays down his rights. It's about the mission of God. And this is what we're called to do as well. That Jesus, who is the Son of God, and as we're reminded about in our Christmas stories, we're reminded that he comes from God and becomes a baby, the most vulnerable of things, the weakest of things. This is what he becomes. He humbles himself to become human, to be with us. He lays everything down for your benefit. Because of you. Because God so loved the world that he would give his only son. This is how Jesus enters into our world and he invites us to follow that. He invites us to follow him in living the same way. The same type of life that lays down their own rights for the benefit of others. And so can you say that you value others more than you value yourself? Can you say that you lay down your right to be right? That it's not about being correct. It's about lifting the other person up. There is nothing like marriage to teach you a lesson like that. And we will have no personal illustrations this morning. Because I'm always right, so we just don't want to go there. So is it more about the right to be right, or is it more about raising and lifting up the other person? Pride can tear down nations. It can divide families. It can destroy lives. And so will you act with pride? Will you have this behavior that comes from somewhere that is corrupt? Or will you see yourself the way God sees you? And will you use that identity to surrender your own rights, to, to, to surrender your own desires, to act in the, the best interest of others? First Peter gives us this reminder: In the same way, you who are younger, submit yourselves to your elders. There's a whole other conversation there about authority and our surrender to authority and how stubborn we are in that. But all of you clothe yourselves with humility toward one another. Clothe yourself in humility to one another because God opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble. And so, do you want to be in a position that God opposes? Is that that the decision that you want to make? Is that the place that you want to be? A place that God opposes? No, thank you. That is not where we want to be. We don't want to be in a place that God opposes. We want to be a place that God favors. And so, I want his blessing in my life. I want him to be working with me, and I want to be working with him. I don't want to be in opposition to him. And so if God is opposing me, I'm in trouble. Not a good place to be. There's a part of us that wants to hang on to control. There's a part of us that wants to elevate ourselves. There's one part of us that wants to step on another to advance There's a part of us that wants to hold on to the things that we know because we fear change. There's a part of us that that wants to forget Jesus' promises and just do it our way. But we have to remember that as followers of Jesus, we are living in an upside-down kingdom. We are living in a kingdom that says the first will be last and the last will be first. We're living in a place where God will exalt and bless those who are humble. Jesus reminds us in Matthew 23, For those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. So what that tells me is humility is the only place to be. Will you choose to be there or will you be forced to be there? Because you will either be humbled to get there, or you will humble yourself. And with that, you become exalted. This is the virtue of humility. As we work at esteeming others and lifting others up. And so very quickly, what does humility look like in our lives First, humility brings the freedom to elevate and esteem others. If I know who I am and I have God esteem within my heart, then I have the freedom to elevate others. That's not a challenge to me. That's not a threat to me. It doesn't matter if someone else is first. I can lift the other person up. There's great freedom in that. Second, humility redirects all of our relationships, to be about the well-being of others. It's not about me. It's not about what I deserve or what I want or what I desire. By esteeming others above ourselves, we care for people the way Jesus cared for people, the way he calls us to continue to care for people. And so we see needs that we never saw. We see hurt that we've never seen before. We speak life where we never spoke before. We touch hearts in ways that we've never have before. Third, humility brings a desire to reflect Christ in all things. That because the overflow of my heart is godly behavior, we're reflecting who Jesus is in every part of our life. And so I want to end with this quote from Randy Frazee. As the world becomes increasingly self-absorbed, humility will not only be one of the most attractive and refreshing virtues to a searching and hurting world, but also a great blessing to our own lives in offering our hearts daily to the Lord as we exalt Him and Him alone. We have a world that's self-absorbed. And there are times where it seems like that's what's being rewarded more than humility. But we're promised that the humble will be exalted and the proud will be humbled. And so we hold on to that truth this morning. Let's go ahead and be standing. I think for us, one of the great things is, that we have is prayer, especially when we think about the posture of prayer. If, 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 we, if we pray with our hands out like this, or if we pray on our knees, or if we pray with our hands up above, whatever that posture of prayer is, it's a posture of surrender. It's a posture that indicates a trust in God. It's a posture that indicates humility. That it's not what I have control of. It's not what I'm holding on to. It's not what I'm able to do. It is released to God. And it's in his power and his control and his abilities to get things done. And so we're going to enter into a time of prayer now where we simply surrender to God. That it's his control in our lives and it's his work in our lives that overflows into the lives around us. And so if you are in a place where you need prayer, we'll have shepherds down front. You can come and pray with one of them. You can move around and pray with your small group. You can pray as a family. This is a time to lift one another up and encourage one another in a time of prayer as we sing together. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for Jesus. We thank you for his example, an example who would descend from heaven, who would take on the nature of a servant and who would serve us and love us even to the point where he would have to die on a cross for us. And so God, we thank you for him. We pray that you will continue to transform us and that you will continue to to whittle away the things that are in our hearts that are not of you. Continue to transform us to be like your son.